0: You're listening to the awesome podcast network.
1: This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris.
0: You got a light, buddy? Yeah, sure, kid. There you go. And your wallet. Nick, give him your wallet. What for? He's got a knife. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife.
2: That's not a podcast. This. He's a podcast. Welcome to the 108th, Jesus, episode of 80s <laughs> Revisited. Back to our movies after our 100 character showdown battle has finally finished. After I think six, seven episodes. Six. It took six yeah. to get through. Oh, it's episode 107. That's where the seven came from, right. uh, which we finally finished. Hope you enjoyed that discussion because nobody sent any emails. So I'm. A, <laughs> I, I, I'm glad about that because it, it just justifies the fact that we were right on everything that we said. So. Yeah, they were all for it. Exactly. So that's a good thing. <laughs> it, means we, we, it just shows how knowledgeable we are that nobody sent us a single email about any of those character <laughs> battles, except our friends at Navajo's Nostalgia. Right. But yeah, our 108th episode, our 101st movie. Uh, actually, no. Yeah. No, 100 and... One
1: day we'll come along and you will any of this. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, because Neverending Story was 101. Right. Then we had seven episodes of that. Six Wait, episodes no, of that. No, no, The Reading
1: Story was 99, I thought. No, it was 100. I think. It was episode 100, but... Oh,
2: yeah, and then... For okay. the review. Gotcha. So this... Minus one. This is... No, so that means Christmas Vacation... <laughs> Welcome was, to math. ...was podcast. our 100th actual movie. This is our 101st actual movie, because we had the highlight episode, six episodes of the character battle... Actually, no. Forget anything I said, because I <laughs> forgot we had the TV episode. Oh, right. And we had the video game episode. The video games, yeah. So we haven't even hit 100 movies yet. Oh, this wow. This is like 99. Athetic. Let's hang it up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we have 108 episodes. We haven't done 100 movies yet. But ah, jeez. Anyway, Crocodile of Dundee, released September 26th, on my mother's birthday uh, in 1986, IMDb 6.5, Rotten Tomatoes, 89% critics, 58% audience. That is a huge gap. Uh, between the two, budget was 8.8 Australian dollars. Uh, opened uh, in the United States for 8 million. Domestically, it grossed 174 million. Worldwide, doubled that, pretty much at 360 million dollars, and an additional 70 million on the rentals. So mm. this was a blockbuster. Uh, however, it was not. Well, I'll get that. I'll get. I'll say that for the trivia. I'll say that for the trivia, because there ain't much trivia about the movie anyway. No, so. <laughs> oh,
1: I know she didn't introduce
2: herself either. God damn it! It's, 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 it's been too long. It's the first, i haven't done this since last year. <laughs> well, since last year, of course, you're listening to A2 Revisited, so you should know that I yeah, am you Trey Harris. On it. <laughs> With me, as always, is my producer Wally Sedgley. Yes, I am. And we're here from the bush, going to talk about this movie, so just listen to that <laughs> part and then start back again, and everything is in correct order. Uh, Cut this, out all the math stuff. Yeah, forget that, forget <laughs> that ever happened. That was just a, a cold intro. Sure. Because we don't edit. Right. Uh, directed by Peter Feynman. Uh, the only other thing he really did was Dutch with Ed O'Neill. I like that movie. It wasn't bad, I liked it. One, I it, was it was one in, of those I had on VHS, so it's like, oh I got nothing else to watch. Yeah. Let's do this. Uh, it was written by John Cornell and Paul Ogan. And Ken Shady. I assume they're most likely all Australian. Uh, (coughs) The story was by Paul Hogan originally, and then, of course, the three of them wrote the screenplay and such. Mm -hmm. Uh, The aforementioned Paul Hogan, of course, was the titular character, Mick Dundee. uh, Of course, he was also in Crocodile Dundee 2, as well as 3. But also, he was the star of Lightning Jack, where he was a cowboy in the West, uh, he was also like in Flipper. I didn't see the Flipper movie, but he was like a captain or something. I would imagine in Flipper, um, Porter Ricks. Porter Ricks.
1: Yeah, can... Flipper and all sorts of Flipper things. TV played episode. by different different characters. Oh. Played this. Oh, character. he's
2: an existing character from the show. Then I would assume. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. And then let's see the lovely at this time. Linda called uh, Come again? How are you? <laughs> Kozlowski Kozlowski there, there we go actually I misspelled it on Kozlowski. my sheet I transpo. I had a little typing dyslexia on there and transposed an I and a K hmm. uh, but she was also in Crocodile, two, uh, uh, Crocodile Dundee 2 and 3 and also the John Carpenter Village of the Damned uh, John Melian was Wally or Walt excuse me uh, hmm. he was in a ton of Australian TV as well as Crocodile Dundee 2 and he died uh, not too long after Crocodile Dundee 2 actually came out uh, back in the 80's uh, David Gopilil was Neville. <laughs> these He's names a, Austra- are awful. You, know, you, you think like German <laughs> names or Russian names would be hard to pronounce, but these Australian names, uh, they give it a run for its money, but he was Neville. He was also in uh, the Kenneth Branagh rabbit-proof fence film and also the exceptionally good Western with Guy Pearce, The Proposition, which if you haven't seen that movie, I highly recommend it. Very, very good. Ah, that's a nice 7.5 on IMDb. There you go. But it's a, a very, very good movie. Uh, and Haven't seen it. Veteran of the podcast, none other than Carl Winslow himself, not playing a cop for the first time on this podcast. He was Gus. He was the limo driver. So before he went into law enforcement, he was carting around Australian guests of the New York Post. Jeez. Uh, But of course, he was also in Family Matters. And as far as the podcast goes, in case you forgot, Die Hard and also Ghostbusters, where, again, he played a cop in both. Mm. Bit parts. Well, not in Die Hard, supporting in Die Hard, but Bit Part and the original Ghostbusters. But always good to see Carl Winslow pop up when you least expect it. No one expects the Carl Winslow. (laughs) But uh, Crocodile Dundee, 1986. I remember this movie mainly for two big reasons. The first, of course, being because it kind of became a pop culture thing. Right. And this was probably the first time that I can remember hearing an Australian accent. So, you know, kind of like Jim Carrey and <laughs> Dumb and Dumb, like, oh, good night, mate. You know, as a kid, especially a six-year-old, like, running around repeating, that's not a... Every, every time we sat down at dinner, yeah. hey, Dad, is that a knife? Yes. That's not a knife. Yeah, or a spoon. This is a knife. <laughs> oh, I've seen you play Knifey Spoonie before. <laughs> yeah. the, one of the few jokes I remember from a Simpsons episode. <laughs> uh, oh, man. But, yeah, that, and it's funny, too, because, like, that's almost a family guy type joke. But yeah. of course, they copy everything. Simpsons joke, Simpsons exactly, <laughs> exactly. But the other thing I mainly remember about this film was it was the first time I ever saw a thong, at least that I can remember. Because hmm. uh, Sue is going down by the water to get some dirty ass water to bathe in, and then of course a crocodile pops up. Paul Hogan jumps up, puts his Bowie knife through the brain. But she's stripping down, and as a young kid, I'm like, I've never seen this much. Like, her bathing... I'm, you know, I don't, wrong with her I underwear? don't know what it is, exactly. I'm thinking, well, her bathing suit's, like, really, like, tiny. I'm a six-year-old kid. You know, I'm just like, wow, like, this is... You know, eyes wide, like, what is this? And she was quite a looker back then. This is magic. Very oh. pretty. But uh, it was funny. I was talking to John, our guest, from the past couple episodes from Now versus Nostalgia, and when I told him I was doing this, he said, oh, yes, I remember when I first saw that, and he said something about how it was like seeing Mount Olympus. You know, <laughs> life-changing at that age. But... uh, a lot of good memories about this movie uh it this is a film that as a kid you enjoy you can enjoy it pretty, really well mm-hmm. because you know he's he's almost like he's a superhero s type character you know he, oh, he's in a as a kid you're you're not really paying attention too much to the plot and you know the love story that's going on it's much more about uh you know just the oh, action and is. yeah there we go <laughs> um Mind-blown as a kid, like, Jesus, what is this? It's like, what kind of outfit is that? <laughs> what is she wearing? Is
1: that what Borat wears? <laughs> it sort of is, almost. <laughs> 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 yeah. really is. back, for sure.
2: But, uh, yeah, this scene changed me as a kid. Because, of course, very beautiful. And this, this was back when fake crocodiles <laughs> looked good. Like, you know, of course, today it looks a little funny, oh, but it still looks gosh. good. As opposed to, uh, you know, any sci-fi original croc a sharker or whatever they want to call their croctopus or whatever croctopus actually I don't think copyright 80s revisited 2015 <laughs> croctopus. croctopus what is that uh,
1: an octopus crocodile
2: yeah it's a like nice. it's got the head of a croc body of a croc but has like eight arms oh wow so like, you know it can slither style. around yeah there we <laughs> go that could be like you know in the scene where they talk, called the, the Cthulhu project <laughs> you know and it looks it's a and someone's like that looks like a croctopus or like you know, the main character is always kind of a dummy. You know, like right. a serious dummy, like a Casper Van Deen type character. Actually, he should star in it. Yeah, him and Michael Ironside reunite yeah. the Starship Troopers. As Michael Ironside could be the and Steve Gutenberg, the, the bounty somewhere. hunter. <laughs> Steve Gutenberg could be the scientist that creates it. Yeah, it's kind of like a short circuit thing. And and uh, Paul Hogan, you throw him <laughs> yeah, he can be thrown in there. <laughs> <laughs> we, we only one man can kill this croc. He's like the quint of the film. <laughs> They go off and hunting the crocodile. We've just written literally. Sci-fi should pay us a quarter of what they pay those assholes, (laughs) and there's a treatment right there. We can write it in in one day. Yep, done, easy, bam. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) crocodile Dundee. (laughs) But uh, you know, uh, as a kid, it operates on a different level. Because then, when you revisit, when you watch it as an adult, it's as a kid you like it because it's kind of fantastical. He's like a bigger than life character. But as an adult, and you watch it, it's really a good love story mm-hmm. for the most part, you know. And I have a different appreciation for this film watching it now because it's you know when they're in the scene in the end they're in the subway and it's all packed and he you know almost crowd surfs <laughs> back, you know. It, it's a very touching moment in the movie, and it's it's a it's a really it's uh, I like it a lot better as an adult than I ever yeah. did as a kid because as a kid and we'll talk about this next week I like part two better as a kid, a little mm-hmm. more action and a little more over the top. Less serious, so to speak, than the original. But nowadays, you're like, this is Oscar-worthy writing. <laughs> they thought it back then, too. <laughs> Things haven't changed much. But they yeah. were adults. They were making the decisions. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this film was pretty much, in a sense, it was almost Blair Witch-esque in a way. Because this was an, basically a foreign-made film that they thought they brought over the United... Made for cheap in Australia. Big hit over there, obviously. But then cross borders and oceans... And came over here and became the second highest grossing film of the year, which the number one uh, and the number two, got to take a guess? <laughs> what a prick. Uh,
1: <laughs> watching that subway scene, just stepping oh, on people's sweet. heads. Oh, it's
2: sweet. It's so sweet. I thought you
1: said he was crowd surfing. Well,
2: basically, but he's stepping.
1: <laughs> he's stepping on people's heads and stuff. No, see.
2: That's awful. See, walking on people's hands, that's Australian for crowd surfing.
1: Well, if he did that, that would be nice. Yeah, if he just floated his way over there. Oh,
2: well, crowd would be kind of actually that wrong ter- verbiage from my part, <laughs> but it would be weirder if it was crowd because he's like, wait, wait, he's so late when you're he stepped on way. everyone's head well, they to get what him. he wants. <laughs> they were like, you know, he was holding his feet up.
1: So nice when you ignore everybody else's well-being.
2: Well, you know, I think honestly, if this was if this film was realistic, he'd be like, oh, I'll just jump on these tracks and walk over to Sue. Well, he jumps on the track, touches the third rail, dead. Yeah, <laughs> <it's> just. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's, it's just, one of those horrible end ending things. start things cooking.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it smells like bunt Dundee. Yep, shrimp on the bar. Bo- Dundee on the bobby! <laughs> but uh, anyway, this was a huge hit. Uh, number two worldwide for the year. Uh, number one it was previously covered in the box office. 1986 highest grossing film in 1986. Jesse, do you have a guess? No. Top Gun. <laughs> and then number three, also just to show you the company that this film was in for the time. Nineteen eighty-six uh, number one was Top Gun, number two Crocodile Dundee, number three the oh, well. film that would win Best Picture that year, Oliver Stone's Platoon. Yeah. So that this year you have Platoon, Top Gun, Crocodile Dundee. So good, good. Oh, com- it's in good company. Yeah. Now, would I? Now, do I think it's as good as either of those? Yeah, on, a, on a good day, it could be better than Top Gun, depending on the mood. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? But it's no Platoon. Yeah. Uh, you know based on somebody's actual experience in Vietnam as opposed to a, a supposedly fictional character brought from the Australian outback to the outback of New York. Hmm. You know, what's that, that'll, that's, that's a similar trope, you know, going all the way back to Tarzan. You yeah. know, I mean, like, take, you know, can you take the jungle out of the person, you know, the you take the boy out of the country, but not the country out of the boy, <laughs> is, is, the boy out, is the way I'm trying to put it, but it didn't work saying... Well, taking there's still the-
1: plenty more stories to tell, I guess, with, like, other countries.
2: Yes, like Borat,
1: for example. It's yeah. almost like
2: Crocodile Dundee. Yeah, trying to bring it Very back. Very
1: similar. I mean, next country that gets popular. <laughs> yeah. Jump on it, people, if you're a writer.
2: <laughs> there you go. But, uh, you know, it's also, Africa. A, you know, uh, sci-fi uses that kind of same thing where the alien comes to Earth and, right. you know, it's culture shock or... Yeah, never, shock I can't really story. think of an example where it's done the opposite way, except maybe contact, oh, where like a human goes to a alien, you know, Ending.
1: Uh, Planet 51?
2: Was that that? Oh, wait, that animated cartoon, <laughs> yeah. right? With When The Rock, the voice of yeah, a white so. astronaut? That's, That's fucking right racist.
1: One. Yeah, that is Planet 51.
2: But see, that could be a really good... That was just... Real sci-fi movie, and by real, I mean a serious... Like a... That's a good plot for a... That Avatar? could be a serious film. Ah, damn it. <laughs> uh, damn you, Cameron! <laughs> again! Shut it down. <laughs> yeah, but there you go. I mean, similar... similar uh, yeah. Like we were talking about earlier with you know uh, movie plots, this is yeah. just that same plot that can, that's in so many. Uh, yeah. When you when you think about it, this is the plot of like it. you know twenty one percent of the movies are or pop movies. like this is like five percent of the plots of movies are this plot. Yeah. Is this plot? But yeah, anyway, <sighs> that's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> I always say this on the podcast too. Like, there's that quote from some right or something. You know, there's only like 21 plots or 11 plots. Yeah. I can never I, never... I never remember to go back and find the actual number. But anyway, uh, <laughs> a lot of good memories about this film, especially as a kid, but this is one that, <laughs> that. I would watch.
1: I Googled there are only plots and like Seven, 70 10, numbers. <laughs> 6, 12,
2: 20. So nobody else it's knows It's one of either. those. But yeah. uh, a lot of good memories about this. This is a film that uh, I don't own, but if, if I was flipping channels, I would watch it. I actually watched both of them on Netflix, so if you haven't seen it in a while... Check it out on Netflix, or go to awesomepods.com, click on the Amazon link, go to Amazon, just go ahead and buy the first one. I like the second one, too, but we'll talk about that next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, you did you see Crocodile Dundee back in the day, or is that, was oh, that yeah, more ago? Yeah, like
1: yeah. a... I remember it, like after watching all these scenes on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I remember that.
2: But uh, you know, it was very, almost like Borat was when Borat came out. Everybody was like, ah, yeah, you know, imitating uh, you imagine Borat if Borat
1: came out back then. <laughs>
2: Well, first of all, it probably would have been like rated X, and <laughs> yes. nobody would have seen it. Yeah, uh, that type, would have been you know it'd been so heavily edited. Or actually, he probably would have gotten killed in yeah. the '80s, going around doing that. Oh my God, that kind of act. Uh, yeah, you would have been stabbed. That's somewhere. <laughs> but uh, anyway, Crocodile Dundee, huge success. Like I mentioned, three hundred and sixty million worldwide on a budget of eight point eight Australian dollars. Could not get any like conversion. Didn't bother converting it, I should say, mm-hmm. uh, to get you know an American. Uh, Reference for the budget, but still, this was a meager film that made a shit ton of money. Mm -hmm. And then two years later, was it two years? Yeah, two years later they make a sequel, and then like twelve years later they make another sequel, Mm. which we'll talk about that later. But it's this is a great '80s movie. But and as you can see, when they make one in the in the uh, 2000s with crocodile rounding out the trilogy with Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles, Mm. it just doesn't quite work again. Different time. It was exactly it worked at a certain time. And this is also, po- the third one was also post-Croc Hunter. So, now it's like, why do I want to watch Crocodile yeah. Dundee when I can watch the Croc Hunter, Steve yeah. Irwin, God rest his soul, taken too soon by those fucking stingrays. <laughs> Kill them all! Uh, anyway, you know, when I can watch Steve Irwin, who's basically the real deal. Yeah. and, and But he's not killing Crocs, he's... I'm learning wrestling something. Them. Yeah, you're learning something, and you're also watching them get bitten repeatedly on the arm by a python. You know, I mean, it's...
1: And I remember these commercials, this Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles just plaguing the TV. I
2: imagine I'm probably like, during gosh. episodes of the Crocodile Hunters yeah. when they heavily advertised it. <laughs> but a uh, quick aside to the Crocodile Hunter, I mean, that was, uh, you know, there are two, two naturists, naturalists, I should say, that inspired me, you know, as a kid, and Crocodile Hunter... Crocodile Hunter, not as a kid, but you know that was like I was in high school when that was happening. But as a kid, it was always Ranger Rick. I always enjoyed reading his magazines and doing those puzzles and learning about the the different creatures of the earth. But then Steve Irwin comes along, and the early Croc Hunter stuff is still like the Mm -hmm. funniest some some of the best stuff you'll ever see. Uh, One of my favorite episodes is like he's going at night looking for a croc, and then he goes under a tree, and the snake falls on him. And like first he's like freaking out because he's like, oh wait no it's not poisonous. And then he's just letting it get biting. They're you know, like, <laughs> got worried there for a minute, you know. Oh and then gosh. one of the greatest moments ever was he was uh, looking for like tiger snakes, and tiger snakes are the most deadly, because of course they're in Australia, so they're the most deadliest snake in the world because right, all the worst shits down there. And he finds one, <laughs> and he's like, you know, he he's doing his thing like talking. He's like, he's not even picking it up, you know. He's just like standing back talking, and then like he's kind of on his you know belly like talking to, him, and it comes like right at him, so he immediately like goes prone and like holding his breath and it's like all by his face oh, and he's just like sitting there not moving like for like <laughs> 10 minutes and the most deadliest snake <laughs> is just like checking him out and then finally goes away but uh it was truly a sad day like I, one of those sh- like robin williams you know like out of nowhere like Crocodile hunter steve has been killed like what i was like and of course the first thing that goes through your mind is oh i guess a croc finally got him you know right a, a, a good way to die so not there's a good way to die but for him that's how it should have been you know a fucking stingray. I know. You know, like a a, a very unthreatening. I don't want to get stung by a fucking stingray. Don't get me wrong, but it's like you know, it'd be like uh, like Timothy Treadwell, the guy from Grizzly Man. I got killed by a bear. Mm-hmm. Like if he got killed by a bear trap, yeah. Instead of a bear. Not that it was a good death or anything. I was kind of a crazy death and needless. But you know what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. You know yeah, like, that was two years after the show was over too.
2: Really? You yeah. know the show was like ended, so to speak. The show was over. But he was still doing like specials. Because um, he, he, he got killed doing a w- special or something. He
1: was actually um, involved in things not on television, you know, uh, all for uh, preservation.
2: Yeah, because that was a big deal with their zoo and everything was... Yeah,
1: so I, I think, you know, that's what he died <coughs> doing. is. Because um, I saw an interview, and I really can't remember where it was, but it was one of his colleagues told the whole story about it. Mm-hmm. And um, just to hear from him how he was all for the preservation of these creatures... Yeah. And then all of a sudden one of them gets them. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> kind of
2: <laughs> like the one that shouldn't get him. I mean, he. Right. You know, you're talking about a guy that sits here and like solo handles like 16 foot crocs. Yeah. Deadliest snakes in the world. Deadliest everything in the world. Like lets it crawl. You know, he's interacting with it. Like, mm-hmm. and I mean, he's in there holding cobras by the, you know, like dodging, you know, giving an interview or doing a, not a promo, uh, doing his show. Yeah. Ta- looking at a camera and like just dodging snakes as they're like, you know, striking <laughs> at him. I mean, he was such an. Such a he's really celebrities that uh, I think I could speak for a lot of most people that enjoyed the show. Like, you just knew he was a good guy, yeah, and that that really and his love and for the preservation of animals and all that really came through, you know. And that's why it was just so like it's like he's like an earnest to relate it to you know, some people this podcast who like earnest and then giggle (laughs) at horrible endings when it shows him die. That's right, but uh, (laughs) you know, that was. It was truly sad losing the real Crocodile Dundee, so to speak. But, yeah. But we always have the reruns, so he's always there. Yeah. And especially the blooper show. was one of the funniest like blooper things of all time. Like, he's falling over fences, and it's just hilarious. No one lasts forever. uh, Unfortunately. I could have used a little bit more of him. In fact, uh, his funeral, like, he did it at his zoo. One of the saddest things I've ever seen in my life. Like, just with his wife and mom speaking and his daughter speaks, it's just, you know, wow. You know, of course, you're like, you're emotional too over it because, you know, Steve Irwin, like, he's gone. It's just like, but anyway, that's a 90s or 2000 (laughs) revisited podcast. (laughs) But anyway, back to, you know, before Steve Irwin was making TV shows, Crocodile Dundee was tearing up the box office. Uh, Like I mentioned, second biggest hit of the year. Uh, get this is hilarious to show you you know how they tailor things for American audiences. The quotes in the title around crocodile were added for the American release so that people didn't think that Dundee was actually a crocodile. Croc. <laughs> yep. As you can see, the they're in quotes because he's not a crocodile. Yeah. Oh. Named Dundee. He's. A nick, it's a nickname. Oh my gosh! So that's why they did that's why that. They call him Michael, Michael, <laughs> Michael J. J. Crocodile, Crocodile, don't they? So yeah, because we're so dumb. And honestly, I don't blame them because just look at your Facebook feed. See, yeah, some of the
1: people you know. Oh my god! Have you seen like young people commenting on Twitter like Jaden uh, Smith? There you go. There's a perfect one. Or the, Kanye West did that song with uh, Oh Paul McCartney, and like McCart- he just made this guy famous. <laughs> yeah. I know who Paul McCartney is, but man, he's going to blow
2: up. Yeah, uh, he actually is a time machine inventor, and he went back in time and blew up already. <laughs> right. More so than Kanye West could Ugh. ever hope to be. But, so uh, many stupid... Now for some real-world drama behind the scenes, so to speak. Uh, Paul Hogan insisted for the longest time the Crocodile Dundee was his own creation. It was actually revealed that a, there was a real-life inspiration for the character. It was a Bushman named Rod Ancel. Uh, He became popular in Australia in the the late 70s uh, because his boat capsized during a hunting expedition and he had to spend two months trapped in the outback. Similar to kind of how, Hmm. you know, the story about Mick Dundee in the movie, but how he got his leg bitten off and it grew into a big tail, or he got Mm -hmm. his leg bitten and it grew into, he got his leg bit off, crawled back to safety out of the outback after two weeks or whatever. Hmm. But uh, it was pretty much Hogan eventually, yeah, that was like part of the story, but, you know, the name Crocodile Dundee was all mine. I came up with the name, but you know this guy—you can't have it. Yeah, <laughs> basically. In fact, the the real life guy kind of went on a, a tour as you know, promoting himself as the real, oh. the real in quotes, like the Crocodile tour. Dundee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when the lawyer—that oh, was crazy. Uh, oh man! And there was a scene in here in Crocodile Dundee where uh, he. Hypnotizes the buffalo that's in the way, and he does little devil horns in front of it, mm-hmm. and it passes out. Well, they actually pacified and drugged that ox to do oh, that. Lovely. But I, as a kid, I actually tried that on my dog several yeah. times, like just sitting there doing the the horn hand I in front I may of him. Have like tried that too. I tried it. I ain't gonna lie. If you didn't and it try it, worked. It, <laughs> <laughs> my God, nah. you must be Australian. I must be. This is pretty funny. In the first scene, when uh, Sue's on the phone uh, in. Not in the first scene, I'm sorry, but early in the movie where she's on the phone calling from Australia back to New York, there's a bridge in the background. And that's the Sydney Harbor Bridge. It's a famous bridge. Uh, it's usually seen in the same shots as the Opera House and stuff. But the funny thing is, is that Paul Hogan, before he started life as an actor, actually helped paint that bridge. Huh. So his, his art, artistry is on display <laughs> in the background. Uh, now, this... It, it's unfair to, to mention Crocodile D without saying that it is an Oscar-nominated film. That's true. <laughs> and also a multiple Golden Globe winner. Oh. Uh, Golden Globe, it won the Golden Globe. Paul Hogan won for Best Actor. Uh, he beat out Ma- Matthew Broderick as one of them for, uh, for Best uh, for Ferris Bueller. Uh, Linda Co- uh, Kozlowski, Koswals- excuse me, <laughs> uh, these names. Oh, you're right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she was nominated for Best Supporting, but she lost to Dame Maggie Smith for Room With a View, and it was nominated for Best Musical or Comedy because it's the Golden Globes and they can't just have one fucking category I for know, movies.
1: That's ridiculous. Like, but should it, we split it up this year? No.
2: <laughs> but it lost to Hannah and her sisters. Also worthy of note, Little Shop of Horrors was also nominated that year for Best Musical or Comedy, which it was both. But neither it nor Crocodile Dundee took hold of the Golden Globe that year. <laughs> That's why they can't split it up, because lo- movies like that. And uh, Oscar-wise, it was nominated for Best Screenplay, written directly for the screen, and it lost. So I think it, lost at Platoon. Yeah. So, yeah, which also that year swept up Best Director Best, uh, and Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's about it for the trivia for this film uh, score wise today like I mentioned I like it a lot better now than I did as a, oh, oh wait no 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 not to Platoon oh what did it lose to? oh a different cat- oh it also lost to that to Hannah and her sisters Platoon yeah. won oh it didn't oh, no it was just it was nominated. Was nominated excuse me my bad oh that, that, yeah yeah because you we were looking at that earlier because yeah. uh, Stone was nominated twice that year once for Platoon and the other one was for Salvador which I've never seen her I have no clue what that 7.5. is. 7.5. I'm sure it's a war movie. Yep, Oliver Stone, mm-hmm. or 80s Oliver Stone, I should <laughs> say. So it's obviously a war movie. But anyway, uh, you know, as a kid, this movie was like a nine to me. It was uh, I loved it to death. Rented it a lot for also a certain scene to watch over and over. But also yeah. because Crocodile Indy was a larger than life character, and wanted you know, I started speaking Australian. <laughs> you know, as a kid. But uh, today, it's still a great movie to me. i give it an eight. It's still definitely worth watching. It's a definitely a dated film, but, you know, the, especially films you grew up with, they're dated from a time that you ex- you lived through and experienced. So, it, you know, there is a nostalgia factor there regardless. But it's still a great film. Uh, I believe it's still on Netflix. I don't think it was part of one of those monthly purges they go through. Mm. But uh, definitely check it out if you haven't seen it in a while. Let us know what you think at 80srevisited at gmail.com. Again, this was released... On September 26, 1986, and in the real world, the day after *Crocodile Dundee* was released to American audiences, uh, on September 27th, uh, Cliff Burton, the original bassist from Metallica, that's when they had their bus accident uh, in Sweden, which killed Cliff Burton. Mm. And then, of course, they went out and uh, got Jason Newsted for *Injustice for All* on the Black Album, and through the decline of the band, as I would say, most people, <laughs> some people disagree. Whatever. They're not the same band. But uh, anyway, uh, he was inducted. Burton himself was posthumously inducted into the Rock Hall of Fame with Metallica in 2009. And Rolling Stone readers credit him as the ninth greatest bassist of all time in 2011, which, I don't know, I mean, early Metallica, I don't know. Yeah. That's an opinion thing, so like I'm not dad, a professional... Yeah. No one's going to tell us no. <laughs> but however, the would you care to guess who readers chose in 2011 as the greatest bassist of all time? Geddy Lee. No, he was actually number four, yeah, which that's, that, that was my first. <laughs> I thought it would be him or Paul McCartney. Geddy Lee was four, Paul McCartney was three. Mm-hmm. Number one, John Entwistle from The Who. Uh, the Who. The Who, the what? the what? Hugh. The What? <laughs> Hugh? The Who? The Who. Hugh. Hugh. H-U-E? Who is The Who? The Hugh? Who cover band. <laughs> yeah. uh, copyright
1: 2015...
2: Asia visited. Well, that means we Central actually visited. have to make a cover band and do the just, work. Just you know, write one song. Do one right. cover on your piano or the and hue. the keyboard and uh, the, <laughs> the hue. Won't get fooled again. There's the cover. Yeah. Done. We're the hue. The hue. God, we're geniuses. Uh, I mean, all these million-dollar ideas. They're all copyrights. You can't steal them, motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. do uh, off the paperwork right now. <laughs> <laughs> patented and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Uh, but Anyway. Uh, back to the future this week and next week, I'm going to go over a couple of recent films that came out that I had the pleasure, or in some cases, displeasure of seeing, mm. and just kind of give some opinions and maybe steer you towards or away from a couple of them. Uh, the first one I saw was the sequel to Dumb... The second sequel to Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Dumb and Dumber 2...
1: I guess the first one was a prequel.
2: The first sequel was a prequel, yeah.
1: Right, right. So this is technically the well, first Well, technically sequel. the first sequel. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Uh, they called it 2, Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah, uh... I did see it too. Oh, you did? Okay, good. I thought it was so crap. We can discuss. <laughs> I was utterly yeah. disappointed from start to finish with this film. Uh, now, I didn't go in expecting it to be the first one. You know, I went right. in thinking I just yeah. want it to be. I want to laugh a few times, but uh, but you can. This was bad. Like while I'm watching it, it was. I actually went. Excuse me to the IMDb page to make sure that the Fairleys directed <laughs> it because it was so unfunny. Right. There were a couple of, you know, there were a, you know, what, uh, almost, I think, I mean, an hour and a half, probably a little over, I think.
1: On the road was the only thing worth taking away. Yeah. And then when they got to their destination, it was
2: just like, what is going on?
1: Yeah. Just not yeah, funny. I checked out.
2: A lot of rehashing of the jokes on the first one. Absolutely. Like, too much. You know, give a couple of nods, but it was just, uh, I hate to say it. I mean, it was, it was crap. Absolute. Yeah. Like, honestly, and, before I watched this, I watched the prequel, which I had never seen before. I never seen that, no. The prequel is better than this sequel. Wow. And, that's, and the prequel is garbage. Like, but huh. I laughed a couple of times at the prequel. Wow. I'll put it to you that way. Like, I would put it over this, this one because it's just bad. There's no, it's not even that funny. Like, the stuff that is funny is just like it falls so flat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, the best part of the movie was the credits for two reasons. One, it was over, Oops. obviously. But also, they, that's when they show like, the scenes of the original over like kind of similar scenes from this one, like of them on the road and the Zamboni, and then in the car in the first one, which to me was Wait, sad. You're talking about two or the oh, people? I'm sorry, the, the sequel. Oh, this so the reason about the one, the one okay. you've seen. Yeah,
1: I don't remember seeing that. In
2: the credits, they would show like the top part. You know, it was a split screen. They oh, show I a didn't. scene I from the I, first I, Dumb and I Dumber. Turned it off Yeah, I mean, but <laughs> that, and that would to me. I'm like, I could have teared up because like God, this I can't believe. Like they're showing this one. It's like, hey, that was 20 years ago. So yeah. like God, how old? You know, how older they look now. But then also it's like, God, it was so funny then, and now it's absolute crap. Mm. It was just like, like, God. Do you think it's
1: just uh, how we accepted it? Do you think we would have accepted uh, something very much the same? Like if this had come out like a year later... I think it would have been much
2: more well-received because yeah. it's still kind of fresh. It's kind fresh. of like
1: Crocodile Dundee. Yeah, it comes out. Coming back with Los Angeles. And then yeah, <laughs> it falling just falls flat. flat. Yeah.
2: Which i never seen that one, so I can't say, but I don't want right. to see it. Right. In fact, if you want to watch Crocodile Dundee 3, watch the Croc Hunter collision course and pretend that that's <laughs> Crocodile Dundee's son, there and then it, wor- it'll, it should work a lot better. They just don't mention the dad in the movie. They don't mention that his dad's Crocodile Dundee. Works out a lot better, and it's much more enjoyable, I'm sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Dumb and Dumber 2... Absolutely disappointed again. Mm. One hoping for much, but didn't even get that. All right, you know, so very disappointing. Also, saw Kevin Smith's new film Tusk, I did not which see is that. getting a lot of mixed bad reviews. I've heard a lot of
1: bad stuff. About
2: uh, it. in case you haven't heard, uh, honestly, if you've heard this movie, you probably know what it's about anyway. I was waiting for Netflix to like pick it up on streaming, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it should be soon because yeah. I mean, they usually get his films because they got Red State, and, exactly. That's why uh, I was waiting which for. Red State was phenomenal if you haven't seen that one. Uh, but, if I would' have heard good
1: things, I probably would have bought it. what from Tusk? Because I bought Red State when it came out, mm-hmm. and, you know to, on the fact Reynolds. that it was Kevin Smith or, yeah, or that's you it. just heard' you know, and I was going to do the same with Tusk because I heard there's a lot of podcast references and stuff yeah. like that. The, uh, but <coughs> after the like the bad reviews, and first of all, this, the material I wasn't crazy about. I remember yeah. hearing the episode when it came out that's so
2: funny because I was going to ask you if you if you heard the yeah. backstory about it. basically, yeah. it was a joke.
1: Yeah. Concept. Kind of like what we talked about
2: out. on here about, you know, Croctopus, for example, earlier
1: this episode. And he did the same thing, copyright. And then during that episode, I remember we were working on um I wanna say shoot, I don't remember which film we were working on, but uh I remember thinking, Okay, the race is on now. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah. gonna start working on this film. I better start
2: working on it too yeah. and see who finished he, he won. But yeah, obviously. <laughs> But, uh, I also was reading, like, the trivia after watching it. You know, there's, it's gonna be part, part of a three-film... Right. ...Canadian Horror Trilogy-type thing. Moose jaws. Moose something, yeah. Which is... Jaws uh, with the moose. Yeah, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the main character... Justin Long's that He's the main character, which... Mm-hmm. I don't despise Justin Long. Say like, a Michael Sarah type thing. Right. You know, where it's like... But he is annoying in this film. Like, he's an asshole in this film. Like, you don't yeah. like him. But you're supposed to like him. Uh... And he's in uh, the next film, Yoga Hoser, but he's not that He's character. not the same character? Right. <laughs> he plays like a yoga instructor. Otherwise, or... he'd be a walrus. Yeah. Oops, spoilers! But what the name of the film's Tusk. You, you kind of see what's happening. Yeah. But, uh, and, and I heard the podcast, so. But it's... I didn't hate it. No. Like, it's worth watching. I wouldn't buy it. Okay. My wife's shaking her head vehemently. She didn't like She it. didn't like it at okay. all. But... It's, it's, it's a dark comedy that can't really decide if it wants to be a comedy or a tongue-in-cheek film, yeah. if that makes any sense. if he's gonna
1: include that many podcast references, I imagine most people would laugh at this.
2: But uh, it's, because you're watching, you know, like, you're expecting it to be kind of just a Kevin Smith horror movie. That's how I kind of went into it. Right. You know, kind of a t- Talents of the Lambs if Kevin Smith did it. Uh, you know, so I expected, you know, it's not bad dialogue. Michael Parks is in it, as he was in Red State. I like and Michael Parks. And he's phenomenal. Like, he makes you... Get well soon. Oh, he's sick? Or... Yeah,
1: he, he was supposed to do a part with uh, Johnny Depp and Yoga Hosers, but he was so sick he couldn't do it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, best wishes to Michael Parks. Worked out for his uh, podcast buddy, Ralph Garman, though, because oh, he got, he got, he got, the got the role? to step in and do the role. It's like 20 <laughs> pages
2: worth of dialogue. That's awesome. But uh, yeah, Michael Parks is phenomenal in it. He's the, yeah. the bad guy, so to speak. Yeah, uh, But yeah, Justin Long and a uh, very chubby Haley Joe Osment are, much yeah. like we're doing here, podcasters for a podcast called The Not See Party, N-O-T-S-E-E, ah. and their premise is that Justin Long, or Haley Joe Osment, like, finds, like, people on the internet that do silly things you'll see in the movie, like, you know, when, and then Justin Long goes and talks to them and gets an interview, and then, like, you know, it's like they're not, seeing it, so he's describing to That's him. He's taking podcasting in the next level. Yeah, like, I mean, he's like, yeah, I got $100,000 in advertising. There's some biographical stuff, I'm sure, uh, okay. based on Kevin Smith making hand over fist with his modcast empire. Yeah. Uh, Pick us up, Kev. Yeah. Work for cheap. But, uh, so, yeah, but it's, it's one of the funniest jokes in it is called, it's called the Nazi party. Yeah. Not C. Right. So, like, he's like, yep, yeah, like, when he's missing, so, like, his girlfriend's calling the cops, like, yeah, he's a podcaster, he, d- he works for the Nazi party and Holly I was like spell it spell it spell it so it's a, and people are like hanging up on him cuz you know uh, it's a joke like that but the uh, <laughs> the movie kicks into high gear right near the end cuz that's when you have the walrus everything yeah and it's a, it's a pretty good makeup job Yeah, it was done by the guy who did um
1: all these... uh he was in uh the vampire movie with Clooney
2: oh uh uh oh. I can see his fucking face. Uh, Tom Savini.
1: Yes, that's it. Tom Savini. Man. Sex machine. <laughs> but uh, so, how do you spell that? <laughs> Tom's S A V. S A V.
2: Yeah, I ah. There we go. Yeah, there
1: I just need to confirm that this is he's in fact doing that. Wouldn't be actor.
2: Yeah, wouldn't be actor. Let's double check. I wouldn't be surprised.
1: Um, I'm pretty sure it's him. Um, maybe not. Jeez, maybe not. Special effects. Oh crap. Wrong credit, I guess.
2: <laughs> but uh, it's... Now, you have to understand, you're looking at a human turned into a walrus. Yeah. So, the sec- there's this establishing shot of him, and I've lost my shit. It was so ridiculous. But that is even topped by one of the absolute most ridiculous scenes in any movie I've ever seen at the climax of the film. Won't say anything more than that, but it <laughs> busts in a gut laughing at how silly it is. Because... Uh, we might talk about this off about certain things or you know movies or me and you off, either on the podcast or off of it. But I, I've always thought like they should make. I think it was on the podcast because we talked about uh, a ridiculous premise for a film that's absolutely stupid. Land Shark. I think well, it was on the podcast. Land Sharks. <laughs> Copyright 2015. Now Asia visited, but Land you know sharks. You, you have like Brad Pitt, Morgan Free. You know, if I, like I, we jo- joke cause if I won the lottery, I'd finance this film the most ridiculous premise you could think of, but you have every actor in it. It's like an Oscar-winning actor. And it's done so serious that nobody stops to think that how ludicrous it is that hmm. sharks are now burrowing through the land and eating people right. all it's over tremors. the world. Exactly. <laughs> but it's sharks and like, right. land shark because I was a He-Man toy too and always thought it would be terrifying if sharks actually came on land. But anyway, uh, but it, it, this movie goes to the absolute ridiculous... Like The end is ridiculous, but it, it's so... I don't know. It, it it doesn't work as a film, but it works for me as a, a viewer. If that makes any sense, like hmm. it's it's absolutely ridiculous and silly, but the last thirty minutes of the film are are the most enjoyable part. And there is a near unrecognizable Johnny Depp in it. Yeah, I'm looking at him like me and Autumn Washington, it and like I'm I'm thinking to myself like who is I know this guy. Yeah, I thought it was Val Kilmer at first, and like as I'm reaching, they get my phone to IMDb. Autumn's like uh, that's Johnny Depp, and then like that's when you see it. Yeah. He lucked but, uh, out on that one. Really? What do you mean? Oh, you mean that he got Johnny Depp?
1: Yeah, because his daughter is best friends with his daughter. I
2: was about to say, his Harley like Quinn since, Smith since and his daughter yeah, are both clerks in the film. Yeah. Which in fact, they, are the, they star in Yoga Hosers. Okay. Oh, they're the stars of yeah, that one? Yeah, they're the two men. Well, his star. daughter can't act. Uh, <laughs> we'll find out for not sure. Not Johnny Depp's. Uh, right, right. Kevin Smith's. But, uh, cause if, I don't know if you watch comic book men after The Walking Dead, but they had that episode where he had his daughter on the show know, to like learn that. how to be a clerk because she's going to be in his next film. Yeah. And yoga hosers. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah, it part was. Of that.
1: I mean, she's 15,
2: so she's only 15. Yeah. She looks older than that. I she just has an older looking face. Yeah, Not to 15. be rude to a Kevin Smith's daughter, especially <laughs> if we're trying to get a job on Smodcast. <laughs> she's very lovely, Kevin. Very great actress. But, we don't uh,
1: need Smodcast.
2: <laughs>
1: nah. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 15 years
2: old. But I would say, like, if you had Dumb and Dumber 2 and Tusk in front of you, watch Tusk. Because okay. uh, to me, it's... And I made the wrong choice. No. It's, again, my wife vehemently hated it, but I think it's wor- it's definitely worth a watch. It's not your traditional... It's like Red State. Don't go into watching Red State thinking, oh, it's Kevin Smith. Because no, no, that's unlike anything he's ever done. Like, you know. But this also is unlike anything he's ever done. But it's it's so screwed up, it's just... I don't know. And the song that plays at the end of this film is one of the saddest songs I've ever heard in my life. Wow. It's, uh, it's called The Water is Wide. It's, an, it's based on a tune that Michael Park's character sings in the mm, film. Yeah. And it's done by Gerard Way, the lead singer of My Chemical Romance. Yeah. But the song at the end, like, I don't know. It, it, the song is so sad and fits, like, the character, which is ridiculous saying based on what you know about the premise, it almost makes the movie good. Hmm. I don't know because music does that to me yeah you know, change everything the right song at the right point in the movie can change my entire opinion because that's when it hits mm-hmm. like for example Sunshine when he jumps if, yeah, I can't yeah, imagine yeah. another piece of music not making that moment as impactful as it is when you're watching it like oh my god mm-hmm. you know but we can kiss that movie's wow. ass enough uh, one <laughs> other movie real quick before we wrap up this episode I did see Dracula Untold which wasn't I've heard a lot of bad things about it but I didn't think it was that bad at all uh, I'd watch it over Dumb and Dumber, too. Put it to yeah. you that way. Uh, also, I like Luke Evans. I think he's a good actor. Uh, going back to when he was in Immortals, he was Zeus in Immortals. Hmm. Uh, he's also Bard in The Hobbit. I'm sure a lot of people recognize him from uh, that now. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, he's a. I think he's a really good and underrated actor. I'd like to see him in some more things. Uh, hmm. Like if Cumberbatch wasn't being Doctor Crow, Strange, he could perhaps? pull it up. Oh, God, no. I li- Now, him acting in it, that's a good thing, but... <laughs> uh, oh, wait, and he's called air. Oh, they're doing the actual reboot. I thought that was, like, canceled. Looks like it's on. Oh, God. Don't do a re... Uh, never mind. Hollywood doesn't listen to us anyway. We're too smart. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, Dracula told because and the cool thing, one thing that it made me even more interested in seeing it, because that's when they were talking about how Universal was trying to bring back their monsters in an Avengers-style fashion... By having Dracula untold and leading up with an, like then a Frankenstein then a Wolfman film and then bringing them together mm. and Van Helsing too or something I don't know oh, but uh, apparently because this movie didn't do too well they kind of scrapped that and they're going to start over but uh, <laughs> Let's <keep> this trying. <laughs> uh, Tywin Lannister is like the head vampire and like the almost like the devil in this film and uh, like I said I think it's worth watching it's not a great film but it reminds me of a 90s film like uh, you know kind of that era of filmmaking so to speak where it's flashy and it's decent but it's not great. Uh, but you know, I'd give it a watch. I'd recommend a watch on it. But uh those are just a few and I'll talk about some more next week because that's all I really have for Back to the Future for hmm. the next couple of weeks, because it's award season, so a lot of movies are out and I'm watching all a bunch. that. Yeah. So but we'll talk about more next week. And don't forget, you can email us anytime you want at eighties revisited at gmail dot com, at awesomepods.com, on Facebook at awesome pods, at Twitter on AwesomePods, and don't forget AwesomePods is plural because we're not the only one out there. There's also Geekly Dose, Duo Attack, the Jesse Sedgley podcast. Why don't you know this? Republic City Report and our good friends, as always, a shout out to our friends at Now Versus Nostalgia who just did a Starship Troopers episode and that just, you know, uh, I'm the type of person if I listen to a podcast about a movie, like I just, I'm a hype on that movie. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I still haven't gotten around to rewatching Starship Troopers even though I could probably quote it verbatim right now. Right. And, you know, I can, I can watch it play in my head because I saw it so many times. <laughs> and I, that's one of the movies I'll never forget seeing in the theater because. Uh, I had a broken leg at the time, mm. and I really wanted to see it, like, so bad. And I had a friend of mine from school that was going to, because I couldn't drive, obviously. My, my right leg was broken, thigh-high cast. We're going to Tinseltown. Those local in Baton Rouge would know that old theater, which is now, like, a, apparently a, 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 a haven for homeless people. My friend Larry I mentioned on the podcast actually has to go there every now and then with a cop to, like, walk through to make sure that oh, really? they still, they're still paying rent on that building. Huh. All these years after that, <laughs> the Cinemark company is still paying rent on that building. Wow. Uh, but anyway... Why uh, do they bother? They have, to, like, something with the contract or something, they have to pay for it, like, until somebody buys Good it. Good God. Uh, but anyway, I remember, it, I started was playing, I was so hyped up to see it, me and my friend comes picks me up in the car, getting a wreck. Mm-hmm. Some dude side swipes and so, and then like like, oh, shit. You know, like... But I really want to see this fucking movie. So he brings me back home. I call my other friend, like, hey, dude, what you doing tonight? Ah, oh, nothing. Dude, there's this badass movie playing. Uh, of course, you know, I, I drive, but I can't. My leg's broken. I just want to see if you might want to go. Oh, yeah, man, I'll go. It sounds awesome. Got to see it. It was like the 10 30 showing, but still got to see it. Yeah. Open a night in the theater with my broken leg and everything. So I was like the Zach Morris of the day, like, yeah. hey, you know, pull out my big ass cell phone. And to make stuff happen. You know, I made it happen with a broken leg. <laughs> I got to that fucking theater and I saw that movie and poof, mind blown. Yeah. But uh, to hear more about Starship Troopers, check out the recent episode of Now vs. Nostalgia. They talk about it there. And next week, we will wrap up Crocodile Dundee part two as we go back down under and then back to New York and then back to the Outback again to talk about Crocodile Hannah Dundee. Until then, Crocodile, whatever. When you try to talk in an accent, you just say shit and you don't know what yeah. it means. <laughs> you don't even know if it's something that they would say because you know you go to England like you don't get mashed potatoes you get bangers and mash that's right you know you get all, it's all you know like yeah I want uh, fish and chips uh, like I'm gonna do my American impression and that, you know, that's the <laughs> thing like I swear to God it seems that every English England Englander uh, can do an American accent like flawlessly I know and then yeah. like you know we go like oh uh, hey my wish go oh well. you'll go uh, watch the soccer match mate <laughs> You know, it's like it's always like an an English, an American doing an English accent. Whereas, like you know, people overseas, we Americans must have the hardest language to learn, but also the easiest one to imitate. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like there's so many actors that like they're they're you know they're they're doing an American, and then all of a sudden you see an interview. Oh yeah, I'm Australian and all. What? Like damn! Like did not did not see that coming. It's the British Invasion again. But check us out next week, everybody. We will see you then. Until then, I remain Trey Harris. Yes, he said you think. Kawabonga! A crocabunga! <laughs>